Do you want to know why the statistics that helped you sell first-generation long-term care plans won't help you sell second-generation long-term care plans? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change that you want to see. Here's your host and chief transformation strategist, David Saltzman. This episode of the Shift Shapers podcast is brought to you by Captivated Health, a captive insurance arrangement designed specifically for educational institutions. If you have clients in that vertical, you know the healthcare deck has been stacked against them. Today, Captivated Health offers the stability, control, and savings they've been waiting for. For more information, go to www.captivatedhealth.com or click on the company logo on the Shift Shapers website. How can you be the first to know about each week's podcast and get on the list for special listener-only content? It's simple. Go to shiftshapersonline.com and click the subscribe button. On this episode of Shift Shapers, we're talking with Steve Kane. Steve is principal and national sales leader at LTCI Partners, and we're going to talk about a practice area which has almost completely redefined itself over the last few years, and that's long-term care. So with that, welcome, Steve. Hey, thanks, David. So before we talk about different product types or we dig into some of the more granular stuff, a top-level question. Are advisors using the right techniques to engage prospects and clients? Well, some are, but but you know we've really taken a, a hard look at this and tried to study behavioral finance or behavioral economics, not only with some of the stuff we're reading as a firm or stuff I'm personally reading, but we're trying to do a better job of understanding, predicting, and influencing consumers' behavior. And if you look at the long-term care world, we did all that with statistics, which hasn't really worked. You know, statistics really create debate rather than action. So we've we pounded, you know, consumers out there saying, hey, 70% of people over the age of 65 are going to need this. Here's the average cost of long-term care, yet people aren't taking action. There's a disconnect or there's irrational behavior. So in my opinion, there are some folks out there that are doing it holistically. They're doing it with storytelling. But by and large, the industry has done it with stats, and I don't know that it's served us well. Well, I know one of the things that you say when you educate advisors is that long-term care is an event-triggered sale. What do you mean by that? Well, we really think that this has got to be on your mind. Not not only does it have to be something that makes sense for you financially and, and from an age standpoint, but we feel that, that it's an event-triggered sale and that at some point in your life, there's going to be an event that makes you take action on seeking out or purchasing insurance. It could be a birthday. It could be like me recently dealing with my mom's long-term care event. It could be an accident that somebody close to you or someone has themselves, and that's going to push them into taking action about this issue. In terms of the product mix, I mean, when we started, it was all standalone long-term care plans, and there were different varieties of them, but basically they were standalone. And today what we're seeing is a lot of growth in what we call combo plans. And I think it's bringing some life folks over to selling LTC and understanding that that's a, a, an integral part of what they're doing. And it's doing the same thing for the long-term care folks. What happened to the standalone products and why did these, I know there's still some out there, but why do these combo products all of a sudden seem to be getting such traction? 
Yeah, I, I think we're in a really interesting time as it relates to insurance solutions around long-term care planning. As we see this shift in demographics in our country, there's a real need because of the pressure on Medicare and, and other entitlement programs. There's a real need for individuals to plan. And so, you know, what we saw was Generation 1 long-term care it was about 30 years ago when these products really came about. So it's an immature product line compared to other product lines. And you have longevity issues, a higher number of claims versus expected, low lapse rates in terms of people hanging on to these policies, and then record low interest rates that we're seeing today. And that's the recipe for pain, unfortunately, for some of our manufacturers or carrier partners. This is what created a situation where we've seen suspension of sales or outright exits out of the marketplace. And then, of course, enforced rate increases where carriers are trying to work hard to get back to even on some of these older blocks of business. So really what we've seen is first-generation long-term care is over. We've seen some departures. We've seen constriction in the marketplace. And second-generation long-term care has begun, and that's with products that have more current actuarial assumptions, but also the result has been more of these combination products. So I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. I just think the market is kind of figuring itself out, you know, where does standalone make sense and what size of the market is that going to be? Where do these combination plans make sense? But overall, I still think there's a tremendous opportunity with this type of planning. You know, if you look at private insurance in terms of solving people's long-term care problems, it's only about 7 or 8% you know, of the overall pie. So there's a ton of opportunity and certainly a lot more options today. So how do these combination products differ? Because I'm an old life guy and you know I keep up. We have life with accidental death benefit. We have life with chronic illness, chronic disease riders. How do these products differ? Yeah, I would say when you, when you look at the long-term care solutions out there, you have standalone long-term care insurance, as we discussed. Then you have life insurance with qualified long-term care riders, meaning the benefit triggers are exactly the same. The language of the riders are exactly the same as a standalone product. It is considered long-term care insurance. And again, you're looking at either universal life or whole life as the chassis with a qualified long-term care rider. So what this is creating is a situation where win, lose, or draw, I get something as a consumer. You know, I'm able to either have my family receive a death benefit or I've got a defined pool of long-term care dollars. And this has really been something that uh, has appealed to consumers out there who say, well, wait a second, I don't know if I want to pay into the standalone long-term care for the rest of my life and maybe never need it. And, uh, you know, that use-or-lose objection is overcome with this product. I think it may surprise some people to know that there are also annuity products that have long-term care or chronic riders. Are you seeing a lot of play in those? Yeah, we are. And, and, and frankly, they're uh, unfortunately really hurt right now in terms of the leverage that those products create because of the interest rate environment. We are seeing a lot of activity in that marketplace, carriers who are creating products or enhancing products to have long-term care components. And we really think that um, what we're going to see is when interest rates go up, we're going to see these become much more popular because the leverage is going to be better. 
And these are all deferred annuities. So you're talking about whether they're single premium or multiple premium. It's a rider that can be bolted onto a, a traditional annuity chassis. That's correct. And and again, I, I look at it and, and you just have more options. Yes, the long-term care on the standalone side, that market has contracted. There's fewer players in it. You know, today's product or uh, products are more responsibly priced, but as a consumer or as an advisor, you just have a lot more options. And and it comes down to what's the best fit. I mean, every day we get questions from advisors out there or consumers that say, "Hey, what's the best product?" And uh, you know, I really think the best product is the one that works at claim time. Number one, always. But beyond that, it's you know, what are we trying to accomplish here? You know, is it a situation where somebody's planning and needing life insurance? And then you can add on an additional rider at a low premium load, or is somebody looking to solve a long-term care problem? And that'll usually dictate the recommendation that the advisors make. Before we finish with annuities, one quick question. Are, are those riders also available on index products? I, I've started to see some of that today, yes, where it's a, a chronic care kicker. You know, I'm, I'm not sure which products out there, but I have read and seen some carriers who are adding that. So let's go back to something because we always like to talk about, you know, kind of what does the advisor conversation look like? Let's go back to something that you mentioned at the open, which is this whole notion of behavioral economics in long-term care. What does that mean? What are the, what are you finding? What kind of things are coming to your attention that are leading you to the conclusion that sell, trying to sell this statistically is not the best way? Well, we've all, you know, we've all been in those situations, you know, where you, where you share with somebody the hard numbers, the reality that one of two of you, if it's a couple, are going to need this at some point, or you as a individual, it, it's likely that you're going to need this. And uh, when you tell somebody that 70% of people are going to need it, they're thinking, oh, those poor 70%, you know, I'm in that 30%. You know, it's, it's not going to happen to me. And then also, you show somebody what the average cost of care is for a private facility for a high-end home health care agency to come into your home, and oftentimes you paralyze them with that number. And so what we've tried to do really is get a client to say yes. And, and what I mean by that is not yes to the coverage, but yes to the issue. One of the biggest unfunded liabilities in somebody's retirement portfolio is health care. You know, big picture healthcare, we're going to live longer. There's going to be medical advances. We're going to eat and exercise better. Am I going to outlive my money? And what if I have a healthcare event in my retirement years? How am I going to handle it? So what we suggest is get your client to say, yeah, this is a real issue. And, and I've got to address that issue. And you can address that issue in a few different ways. You can self-insure. And, and what does that look like? Where How are we going to finance this? Who's going to be the quarterback during a care event? Or you look to insurance and then look through the different options that we just discussed and figure out what's the best plan. But at the end of the day, what you're trying to do is get the client to do something, you know, to create a bona fide strategy to manage a long-term care event from a caregiving perspective or from a financial perspective. So for some benefit advisors, if I understand you correctly, their focus would change from being maybe more of immediate needs to looking in a more, as you use the word, holistic manner, looking at a, a long-term client continuum, correct? Correct. And and what we've also seen benefit advisors have success with is to kind of wrap this into the financial wellness and retirement readiness conversations that you're having. Look, we're all trying to appeal to a, a consumer that's short on time, that doesn't want to think about a chronic illness or a disability. So the best way to have this conversation resonate with those folks is talk to them about protecting the integrity of their 401ks. 
talk to them uh, about protecting their retirement plans. And you do that by wrapping it into those programs. And look, we've done a good job as an industry with upscale clients, with wealthier clients. The market penetration, whether it's with standalone products or these combination products, is okay when we look at the data. But 99% of America buys their insurance at work. And so benefit advisors have a significant opportunity to go to their corporate clients and talk to them about protecting the integrity of their 401ks or providing that financial education as it relates to this benefit. And now, a word from our sponsor. Captivated Health is a single-source solution for your clients and prospects who are in the education vertical. The founders of Captivated Health have nearly 20 years' experience working with educational institutions, and over that time, they've developed a keen understanding of the unique problems these clients experience. Frustrated by a lack of control, the unpredictability of ever-increasing health care costs, and the pressures and regulations of the Affordable Care Act, these groups have been adrift in the fully insured commercial marketplace until now. Captivated Health has built a program that solves those problems, and it does so with virtually no disruption to faculty and staff while saving clients millions of dollars. We wanted you to be among the first to know that Captivated Health is building a national distribution partner network so you can bring this cutting-edge solution to the educational clients you advise. To learn more about the Captivated Health solution, go to their website at www.captivatedhealth.com or click on their logo on the Shift Shapers website. And now, back to our interview. Beyond a group chassis, are there also opportunities for multi-life sales? That's where we've seen the shift. There is one carrier that's active using a group product or a group chassis, but we've seen a shift to multi-life products. Right now, there are two or three multi-life products on the marketplace, and I'm encouraged that we'll likely see additional companies come into to the business, whether it's this calendar year or the beginning of next year. I'm not at liberty to share which ones because I've signed NDAs, but I, I think the carriers are looking at this saying, hey, multi-life's where it's at, uh, where you have a, a group that you're going after, provide simplified underwriting, unisex rates. We're going to find younger buyers and typically buyers that aren't buying as much as an affluent consumer out there. So it's less risky for the carrier, if you can say that. And, and really, that's the trend that we've been seeing. I don't anticipate more carriers entering with a group chassis, but these multi-life chassis seem to be the trend as to what the carriers want to do. I don't anticipate carriers coming in and offering true group product with guarantee issue. We've learned as an industry, and frankly, uh, from the carrier standpoint, most feel that it's more beneficial to them and the consumers to have these individual contracts with unisex rates and underwriting concessions versus group products. But again, we do have one group carrier out there that's very active in the business. So the multi-life on long-term care is pretty analogous to multi-life on an individual disability sale. You got it. You know, we're, we're not seeing the guarantee issue, but that's typically what it is. It's fully portable. So you got to ask yourself, why would an employer do this if it's voluntary, right? If they're not funding it, why would an employer do it? Well, there's ease of access in terms of securing the coverage. There's an educational component, whether it's done online or face-to-face. And again, there's slight discounts in pricing, but what you're doing is allowing somebody access to this individual contract that's fully portable. 
are there minimum, generally speaking, I know you don't want to name particular carriers, but generally speaking, is there a minimum number of employees necessary in order to enact a, a multi-life sale? Yeah, and it's going to vary by the carrier, but I would say 10 active or eligible employees might be the magic number with a couple carriers right now. And, you know, as the carriers gain more experience, they're looking for more eligibles than that. But I would say whether you're working in the small group market, mid-market or large market, there are options out there, and it just depends on what type of option. Typically, we're seeing more funding with closely held small businesses, and then as you get larger, we're seeing more voluntary plans. Now, you said that there, there's no guarantee issue. We're not seeing that, but are there underwriting concessions? Yeah. I mean, you're looking at simplified in issue underwriting. You're looking at six to seven what we consider knockout medical questions. Now, the seventh question is usually like 25 part. You know, we joke around with advisors that there's a kind of a dreaded disease list. Do you have this, this, and that? But what we're seeing within our book of business is about a 98% approval rate for that simplified underwriting. So we make sure that when we're working with brokers or, or employers that we manage everybody's expectations, share what the questions are, and uh, unless you've had a couple conditions that, that are red flags, most people are getting this coverage. But the same triggers, the same ADLs, that hasn't changed. No. I mean, the, the coverage is the same as an individual long-term care contract. That's exactly what's issued. You just have these concessions that are built into these programs. And, and what we've tried to do is really take the model of the large group market and distribute and implement these plans so that it looks, smells, feels, acts like any other group benefit. So if an advisor isn't in today, isn't in that market today, and they want to get involved, how do you counsel them? What do you tell them to do? How do they educate themselves? What are those conversations, those beginning conversations with prospects and clients like? You know, I, I always I always joke around with folks that people are down, and it's just human nature. People are down on what they're not up on. And, and you know, when you engage an advisor and share with them that the market's not over, you know, frankly, that, that's one of the biggest challenges that we face is producer or advisor apathy. When you share with advisors that it's not dead, it's just different, you know, they certainly open up to it. And then you speak to some of the success that you're having. And I'm, I'm a big fan of kind of sharing an island of success, going through a case study, asking an advisor, do you have a client that looks like this? And then sharing an idea or sharing a success story about a group like that. I think there's a, a ton of information out there as it relates to long-term care, whether it's through distributors, whether it's online, you know, generic websites or ltc.gov. There's a number of resources out there that at your fingertips that you can go out there and find. Steve, we've got a couple of minutes left and we, we usually like to wrap up our interviews by asking our subject matter experts, what do you see the future bringing? Where do you see this going near-term, mid-term, long-term? What's the glide path for long-term yeah. care? You know, I'm active in, in the industry and sit on a number of uh, advisory committees, and I'm active with NAHU. And NAHU just put out a position paper on long-term care insurance, really asking for help from the federal government to create some tax incentives for employers or individuals to purchase this. You know, I think at some point, if there's real look, a real look given to a penalty-free withdrawal from a 401k or an IRA or making this a pre-tax purchase, you know, that would open up the floodgates as it relates to long-term care insurance. Until then, I think what we're seeing is just it's getting easier to talk about. You know, everybody has got somebody that they know in their life that's gone through a long-term care situation. So as we speak to employers, I don't have to tell them what long-term care is anymore. 
Now, we certainly have to tell them about product, but they get the issue. So I think the standalone long-term care market, probably not going to fly because the other product lines that we talked about, the annuities and the combinations, but where we're going to see significant growth in the standalone market is in the worksite with these multi-life plans. So I think regulators, I think carriers realize there's a place and there's a need for this planning. And over time, I think we're going to see less denial simply because we're going through this stuff. Steve, thanks. It's a great place to end our conversation for today. We hope you'll come back. Steve Kane, Principal and National Sales Leader at LTCI Partners. Steve, thanks so much. Thank you. The Shift Shapers Podcast is a production of Strategic Vision Publishing and David Saltzman. This podcast may not be reproduced in any form, in whole or in part, without the express written permission of the producers. All rights reserved.